Hi, everyone. Today, we have Helleborn with us today, and we are talking about romantic relationships in our works. Particularly, Helleborn is going to introduce to us Vili and Valdis, who are Ingvar's parents, and the kind of relationship that they have. Many people today would describe them as codependent. And could you go into a description of how they met and why people would describe them as codependent today? Hello, and uh, thank you for inviting me, and thank you for the question. Um, well, yes, definitely. Uh, we talked about Ingvar before, but we we haven't uh, got to talk about their par about his parents. Um, I've only recently started working on their story, although since Ingvar is my oldest character, um, his, uh, I knew a lot about his parents and the way that they influenced him, the way that they raised him, but not so much about the relationship between them as a couple. So um, this story that I'm working on can definitely qualify as a romance, since the relationship between Valdis and Vili is the, the main focus of it. But it's a different type of relationship than what I've written so far. It is, in a way, the strongest relationship that I've written, um, since they are both accomplished people who love each other unconditionally. But, um, um, well, uh, they're a bit of a Gomez and Morticia Adams kind of couple, so they are considered a bit strange by other people, a bit dangerous and not very likable, and they are often assholes to everyone else, but to each other they just mean the world. So I'm going to start a bit uh, by uh, talking about their backgrounds and, uh, um, and, and their stories and personalities before they meet. So Valdes is a vulva, which means a witch, basically, in uh, a Norse mystic, uh, characterized by prophetic abilities. She is born to a Sami mother and a Norwegian father, and she is believed to have the gift of communicating with animals and spirits. She basically heals and tends to people's spiritual needs, like blessings, enchantments, making prophecies, giving advice, and traveling to hold private rituals. And she's met with respect wherever she goes through her position. Um, at 12, she's married to a man whom she finds plain and very dull. Um, her view on marriage is quite traditional in a way, although she isn't otherwise really a conventional person. So she already has a career in which she is quite successful, so she is satisfied with her own accomplishment. But in a traditional vein, she wants her husband to be more accomplished than she is, because um, he should be able to provide for the family, so he should be wealthier and, more, and at least as successful as she is. So the husband that she has is not made for greatness, I think, or at least this is what Valdis thinks. So she becomes increasingly impatient with him and with the bad choices that he makes in the family business, which is animal husbandry. They are herding reindeer and a great part of the, um, um, of the wealth of the family comes from her side of the family. So this is why she's displeased with the way he handles everything. Um, so after eight years of marriage, she meets a Norwegian man called Vili, which is short for Vilhjalmar, who comes from a prestigious family, but he was exiled from Norway for murder at 15. 
since Iceland was uh, um, uh, settled mainly by uh, Norwegian people, um, a, a lot of people who were exiled from Norway were sent to Iceland. And um, he's there and he's trying to make a career by working for Godi, which is a member of the Icelandic parliament. Um, and although they are both married at the time, Vila and Valdis fall in love. Uh, Valdis's husband dies in an accident and she comes to manage the reindeer in his stead. She and Vili soon get into the animal husbandry business together because he herds horses. Um, and when his wife dies in childbirth, Valdis is there to comfort him. And they start an amorous relationship and get married. About Vili, I can say that he's a, a serious and hardworking man who wants to prove himself in Iceland. Um, he is in, in a sort of a competition with his brothers who are quite wealthy. They are into whale hunting and commerce, and he wants to prove that he is at least as good as them. But the, the boss that he works for doesn't seem to, to recognize his worth, so he's quite displeased with that. Um, He's a family man and he loves his wife, but when he meets Valdis, he's immediately captured by how clever and willful and rethinking she is. And he respects her position as, um, as a mystic and healer, and he trusts her wisdom. So when she starts giving him business advice, he never questions it, to the point that he grows quite dependent on her over time. Uh, he struggles hard not to cheat on his wife with her because, well, he's trying to be loyal, but he, he is very much in love with her at this point. So when his wife dies, he's only too eager to be comforted by Valdis. Um, so from here on, um, what he appreciates about Valdis is how supportive she is of him and of his career and how much faith she puts in him. Uh, and with her wisdom and magical powers, she helps him rise in position and helps the family business until eventually he becomes Godi himself. So a member of the Icelandic parliament, which is a high honor. It, it, it's pretty much, uh, it, it's actually the highest position that you can have in Iceland since um, uh, the head of the country was still the Norwegian king. So the the greatest thing that you can do when you're in Iceland is become Godi. So, um, of course, there are several Godis well, since there was an entire parliament, but it's still quite a good thing. So uh, the, the family becomes quite uh, wealthy at this point. Um, then rumors start to appear about certain unorthodox things that they do together in order to achieve this goal, including several murders. But things are never really proven. I mean, some of the things are, are not proven. Uh, people say that Valdis is manipulating things from the shadows with the help of her magic. Of course, magic doesn't exist in, in the world of my stories more than it exists in real life. So, of course, people are superstitious, but maybe there is no smoke without fire. So maybe there, there is something there, magic or not, uh, something about her involvement. Uh, so Vili denies rumors of 
shady things going on and just says that she uh, she is a very wise person who, who gives him advice. So this is the only way in which she is helping him, not with anything supernatural, not cheating by using her magic, you know. Um, and he always takes his side to the point that some people say that she bewitched him with a love spell and this is why he loves her so much. Uh, she, he's more likable than she is. So a lot of people uh, start asking themselves, what does he see in her? Because she, she's, she's not the nicest person. She, she's not the most beautiful woman. And what exactly does she see in her that, that he's so captivated by her? So, well, gossips are going to gossip, right? Um, also, uh, Valdez cannot get pregnant for a while because she suffers some miscarriages. So when she eventually does give birth to a boy, gossips even say that she was infertile and she made a pact with the Jotuns to be able to keep a pregnancy. Um, Jotuns are uh, mythical creatures like ice giants from, from Jotunheim or giant. So, um, uh, and in Norris' imagination, um, Sami people are often linked with Jotuns because they are both said to possess strong magical powers, much stronger than Norse people. So Valdis is rumored to have Jotun blood herself. Um, the boy is, of course, Ingvar, whom, you know, from Lucky Wolf. And, um, uh, but... Yeah, as a family oriented, as family oriented and and loyal that both Billy and Valdis are, they don't get a medal for parenting. <laughs> so, yeah, but the, but otherwise they are really good to each other. And what you said about being codependent, uh, yes, I think this this definitely applies. Um, especially Vili is very much dependent on Valdis and and her and her advice. He is a, a, a strong-willed person himself, but um, he he appreciates her a lot. So um, so before taking any important action, he seeks her advice first. And um, yes, I think she is also very much dependent on him. I mean, they could obviously do well by themselves, but um, but they care about each other and respect each other so much that they always, um, uh, they never do anything to, um, to go over what the other says. And, and they always keep each other's side in front of other people. Mm -hmm. I see. Yeah, because um, as a point of comparison, you know, I'm, I'm going to be talking about Lev and Riza, who are Sam's parents, and they have a lot of similarities with um, Vili and Valdez in some ways. They're both middle-aged by the time that we read about them. And, you know, they're also kind of codependent on each other. Though I would say for Lev and Riza, it's for a different reason. It's more due to external factors rather than like their personality types. Oh, I see. I see. Yes, yes, I think they have quite a few things in common, paradoxically, because um, they're not very much alike in terms of personality. But yes, their relationships do have some things in common. Uh, could, could you expand more about this codependency 
with Levin Raisa and how, and how it's manifested? Yeah, so I would say that before they went to the States, they were more sociable. Like, you know, they had a lot of friends and Sam, like he never saw it but himself, but then he imagines their marriage as like, you know, when they got married, there was a lot of people who attended because Lev was very well known in the left-wing labor movements and Rise's family was pretty big in Odessa because, you know, um, she knew a lot of people and her father was a Yiddish poet and a watchmaker. But then after they went to the, the States, I think they got more and more isolated as they became really engrossed in their work because they run a print shop, but they have to make sure that they make ends meet by like getting people to actually buy their stuff and making like, you know, business contacts and such. But that means that they don't have any time for socializing and, you know, really making real friendships outside of the business sense. So in a way, they are kind of isolated because they lack the kind of you know, the community structure that they had back in Odessa. And it's because of that, and also all the economic struggles that they face, that they become increasingly isolated and just focused on making ends meet and on Sam, because they actually place all of their hopes for the future on Sam, who is their only child. I see. Well, would you say that they are a bit introverted or is either of them introverted? Good question. I think maybe Lev is a little bit introverted as well as Riza because even though they were very sociable in Odessa and involved in a lot of things, I think it has to do with external factors. I think some people are more sociable when there are external factors that allow them to be sociable, but once those factors disappear or change, they just retreat into themselves. So does that make them introverted in a way? because they don't motivate themselves to go out to get to know people. Like it really depends on their circumstances. Well, it, this is actually a, a great point. Um, I think there is definitely a degree of introversion. And I actually think that this is another similar point between them and my characters, Billy and Valdez, because um, they also don't, I mean, my characters, I think they don't, enjoy very much the company of other people um maybe they would much rather prefer to be with each other rather than socialize but at the same time they appreciate social recognition a lot so they are uh, they get a lot of satisfaction from being respected in the society that they live in and, and having a good social position so in a way they do socialize because they have to and they get this kind of satisfaction a rather professional satisfaction than than a personal one so in a way they are the opposite of Lev and Raisa because the the external factors make them to socialize more than they want to but at the same time I think they have kind of the same degree of introversion mm -hmm. I think so too. It's like a different kind of introversion than what we usually read about. Because I think when we hear the word introvert, we assume that the person doesn't really want to interact that much regardless of circumstances. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. I think another character of yours, uh, Ingvar and Merwin, they definitely are that traditional kind of introvert, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. They, they don't like 
interacting with people and and Ingvar, although he's in a position that requires him to be more sociable, um, he avoids it as as much as he possibly can. And this is, I think, perhaps one of the uh, one of the critiques that people can can bring him, even though he's well respected. People uh, find him too stand offish. That they don't really understand that he's introverted. I think he's more rather seen as arrogant because he mm-hmm. avoids uh, interacting with people directly. So he has his, his right-hand man, Hakon, who is on the opposite side of the spectrum. And he is like Ingvar's voice, you know? So, um, so yeah, I think, I think, yes, Ingvar definitely counts as an introvert. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think everyone around Ingvar is more extroverted than he is, like Eyjolf, right, for example, except for Aiden. Do you think Aiden's more introverted than Ingvar or less introverted or about the same? Oh, that, that's a good question. I think he's less introverted. I mean, he gets much more satisfaction from talking to people. I guess Aiden is a bit shy, He's he's a bit he's also quite introverted. But he's a bit shy, but once once he starts communicating with people, he can uh, he, he can actually feel really good about himself, and he can feel good in the company of others. Whereas for Ingvar, that never happens. Uh, so uh, the the more he communicates and the more he mingles with people, the the more irritable he becomes. It's not the other way around as it is with Aiden. So uh, it's like, as a joke, it's like in the Sims version, you know, where, where the lucky, the worst, sorry, the, the lone wolf trait starts uh, beeping, you know, when, when they, when, when Sims stay with uh, other characters. So I think it's, that's very fitting for Ingvar. Mm-hmm, definitely. I don't think Aiden has the lone wolf trait, right? No, 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 he doesn't. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. He just takes more time to become comfortable with people and to warm up but once mm-hmm. he does he, uh, he he manages uh better in in social company mm-hmm. yeah i think lev and riser are kind of similar i think they're not really shy it's just that they're really tired and that makes them not want to interact with people and over the years it becomes a pattern because once you get you know like once it becomes a pattern, it's hard to break out of. You know that in the past you were different and in different circumstances you were more sociable, but then over the years, it just becomes kind of like, oh, well, you know, this is how it is. And you're too tired to change that. And I think we're okay. I see. This is actually really interesting. One thing that I love about um, these characters of yours and something that you talked about in a previous podcast is the way that they change over time as people and how their relationship changes over time. And I think this is very realistic because um, I don't think we see that very often because I feel that uh, most of the times when we see relationships depicted, it's uh, it's either relationships that are in the very beginning, so the part where people fall in love and then it ends when they get married mm-hmm, or something, mm-hmm. or maybe the end of a relationship can also be portrayed the part where they uh, break up and... Uh, it, it falls apart, but this kind of relationship that Lev and Raisa have, something that 
it, it becomes a bit um, monotonous, but it's not bad per se. I think this is interesting because we don't see that very often. Mm-hmm. So how do you think their, their relationship changes over time? So uh, uh, how, how, what, what is it like at first when they met in terms of, I don't know, communication, passion and everything um, and expressing emotion and how does it become once they grow more and more tired? I think at the beginning, they were pretty excited to get to know each other, even though that I think from Rise's perspective, Lev was always not really great at communication, especially his intimate feelings, because he's a very serious person who just basically talks about his ideas, especially the political side. So he's not that good at communicating how he exactly feels. And maybe he feels like he isn't the best to talk about that kind of thing. But I mean, they do get along pretty well. You know, they bond over Yiddish theater, poetry, because she tries to get him to explore more artistic things, not just more, you know, like ideals and politics and stuff. And, you know, they bond over that. So they were pretty good. You know, they were pretty good to each other and pretty passionate. I would say that after Sam is born, especially after, you know, their business nearly kind of fades out in when when Sam's around six or seven, like they go through some economic troubles. That is when I think they start changing for, I guess, like they become less passionate and more focused on survival because they're more focused on making sure that Sam has a good future now that he's in the picture and that their business can survive because they're not really sure what they can do except for the small business. I see. So maybe it's uh, also their expectations that they change, right? They are very hopeful when they first get to to America, right? So, and and after that, it starts to become, well, it, it's not really a routine because they constantly struggle, but maybe struggling becomes a routine. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, uh, it, 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 it's quite a passion killer, I can imagine. Um, do you think that the um, the birth of Sam uh, changed their relationship in any kind of way? I think so, because now they have another person to think about. And there's so many uncertainties, not only about their future, but Sam's future. Of course, if they feel responsible about giving Sam a better life than they had. So uh, this is also something that comes up. Well, it doesn't come up because... Between them. I, mean, I mean, it doesn't re- affect their relationship in a bad way, but it's just one more thing to worry about, right? Exactly. And unfortunately, they're kind of dogmatic on what a better life is. You know, that doesn't involve becoming an actor. <laughs> they oh, yeah, force him to true. become a lawyer. So they're very dogmatic about that and about climbing the social ladder in a sense, because they feel like you can only be stable if you climb up the social ladder. Because they think that being an actor is not stable enough. So this is what they tell Sam. And this is what they kind of enforce on him. That's really interesting because it can also apply to Vili and Valdis. You know, the the importance of climbing the social ladder. Uh, their, um, Their story is also a lot about that. First, uh, they want, or at least Valdis wants Vili to 
climb the social ladder and to finally get the recognition that he deserves and the position that he deserves. And once uh, Ingvar is born and once he grows up, uh, they, they focus on uh, raising him to become a, a successful and brave and self-confident and honorable young man. So uh, they also pushed their ideals on him in a way. Um, and, uh, well, in a way, that's, that's a good thing because maybe he has some a, a good role model in his father. I'm not sure if the, the modern reader would find him a very good role model. But for the time, I think he, he was great as a father. But um, at the same time... They also stifle certain tendencies that he has. Uh, so it, it's quite similar to, to Sam, of course, to, to a different degree and in a different way because the context is so different as well. But, but there are also moments when they, uh, uh, when they push their ideals on, on Ingvar and don't let him become what maybe he wanted to become if, if, if it wasn't for them. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. They do have that similarity. What do you think that, what do you think Ingvar thinks of his parents pushing their ideals on him? Does he think it's annoying or does he just kind of think it's normal or what does he think? Well, in the beginning, he thinks it's normal and, uh, uh, well, they keep telling him that, uh, it's, it's normal and that he's very lucky to, to have the life that he has and that, uh, they didn't have, um, such a good life when they were his age. And in a way they they keep telling him what great parents they are. So when he is very young, he actually believes, oh, wow, my parents are so great. But as, as time passes and he becomes a teenager, he does become quite annoyed to the point that he, he becomes quite rebellious as a teenager and quite, um, I don't know, in a rather ag aggressive kind of rebelliousness and, and, that, and he becomes reckless and does all kinds of things and has a, a, a death wish, I can say. So I think that the pressures that they put on him and uh, the way they uh, uh, influence his, uh, uh, his, his behavior uh, through the upbringing that they give him, it, it doesn't have, um, it has side effects, we can mm -hmm. say. So maybe it is good. They did succeed in what they wanted to succeed, but it has side effects. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. yeah. um, so they do make him the strong, brave, and enterprising man that they wanted to have as a son. But emotionally, he developed some, some serious problems. So he grows to be a bit of a highly functional psychopath, we can say. So, uh, and in many ways, this is the result of the upbringing that they give him and, and of pushing things. Mm -hmm. not letting him do some things that he wanted uh, to do as a child. He was more um, interested in uh, um, knowledge and he was curious about the world. He, he would very much like to, um, to read books, for instance, if he had books. I mean, he, um, he does get his hands on, 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 on a book at some point. He is absolutely fascinated. Uh, he is also fascinated with uh, uh, 
medicine, I can say. And uh, uh, well, if if dissecting animals can count as a medicine, but yeah, he he is interested in how the world works and how the body works and things like that. But they want him to be more active, and this is one thing that they don't, or two things that they don't really allow him to pursue because they they want him to always be active and be out and and, and go with his father and and watch him do uh, business uh, and politics and whatever he does and interact with people and of course he he doesn't like interacting with people and mm-hmm. it, it it will show uh, he he is anyway he is quite a, a strange kid and i think that really involved is um also consider him a bit strange so um um they are well they are eventually pleased with him but, but there are some moments in this story when they say what the hell is that boy doing where did we go wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm not really sure that they uh, that they realize that it it was their fault so the things that they find strange in his behavior they don't realize that it's their fault Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think he th- does, and and he he blames them. He he blames his mother a lot, maybe more than he should, for for his flaws. So they 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 start to have a um, not a very good relationship. Sorry, oh, you wanted to say something? Oh, sorry. So yeah, I just wanted to ask, um, who does Ingvar reveal these feelings about his parents to? Is it to Eyolf or is it to? Aiden or just inside his own self like is in his brain um well yeah he talks to both of them he, he talks to Elf a bit and uh, um, he would find some things in common with Elf because they both complain about their mothers uh, Elf's mother was a very irresponsible person of course she abandoned him eventually so she she, she did the the utmost irresponsibility in relation to that and um she was also an alcoholic and ingvar's mother she is also a quite a bit of an alcoholic well she she does take um hallucinogens as a part of her work because she's a mystic but it becomes more than that once she grows older so um uh, and and Ingvar is annoyed with this. So yeah, they could both complain about their ar- alcoholic mothers. Um, but he talks even more with Aiden about this um, because I think that Aiden and Ingvar get to a certain point where they, I don't know, play psychoanalyst with each other, <laughs> if, if I can say that. <laughs> So, uh, so Aiden can get Ingvar to make confessions that he never uh, talked to, to uh, talked about to anyone else. Um, well, Hakon is his friend, his childhood or uh, friend from teenage years. So he knows Ingvar's parents, but he doesn't talk to Hakon as much because he doesn't think that Hakon would understand. So. Paradoxically, he he talks to Aiden, who never knew his parents, and uh, who who had uh, quite a different background. So, I think what they have in common, Ingvar and Aiden, is that 
they were both very much influenced by their mothers, but Haydn in a good way, whereas Ingvar, not really in a good way. But Ingvar is also fascinated with Valdis. So even if, if he dislikes a lot of things about her, but he's also very much fascinated with her and, and with her job. So, um, but of course, um, she's pleased that he, he would like to pursue a career like hers, but um, it was mainly considered a woman's job. So she doesn't think that it's a good idea for him to stay in the house with her and, and see what, what she's doing, you know, because it was considered a manly thing to, to be outside and to work and to interact with people. So um, she's flattered and she does teach him things about plants and, and, and the body and stuff, but not, um, she encourages him to, to spend more time with his father. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Uh, uh, what about uh, what about your characters? How do you think um, the um, their relationship influences Sam? The, the think, fact that they are so demanding with him. Mm -hmm. I think it definitely influences Sam, just like how um, Vili and Valdis's relationships and demands influenced Ingvar. I think Sam becomes very disillusioned and he feels that his parents are just too stubborn and basically fixated on an ideal. And they say he's fixated on an ideal, like, oh, you know, you're too idealistic, you know, you can't make it as an actor. But at the same time, he feels like his parents are overly idealistic for believing that you have to be a lawyer in order to be successful and that there's only one way to succeed, which is to climb the social ladder and live, you know, the generic middle class life. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that really influences oh, Sam. That, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. sorry there was a lag so like i so suddenly you paused and then like you start speaking while i was speaking and then i just got confused because there was a lag did you have a lag on your side oh yeah it was the same for me i have no idea but but uh but it happened the same for me so i i don't know why that is happening but yeah it, it froze a bit mm -hmm. um yeah, that's right. I think that uh, Sam and uh, Ingvar would have a lot to discuss <laughs> about their parents and a lot to complain about if they were to talk. I think about so. How, yeah. how demanding so. they both were. Definitely. So, how does um, does Sam uh, rebel against against their parents? And of course, he does by wanting to pursue the acting career. But uh, does he do it? to their faces so does he tell them that they're they're wrong does he get into arguments with them that's a good question he definitely does he's very especially as he goes into law school or he's getting close to going to law school in his high school years he increasingly speaks out against what his parents have planned for him and he thinks it's actually kind of insulting because they've made all these decisions for him since he was a child and they never asked him whether he wanted it and this is what really pisses him off like he's fine with them wanting him to be a lawyer but couldn't they have at least asked him if he wanted to do it? 
but then they don't ask him at all because they don't trust his decision-making skills. They think he's too childish and they infantilize him, which really makes Sam angry because he wants to live life on his own terms and not just be a puppet for his parents' desires. That's true. That's true. And uh, does he think that, uh, look, you guys had your independence. You, you left from your parents, from your families, and you went all the way across the ocean. Why wouldn't you just allow me to, to make my own choices? Mm-hmm. He finds it a bit hypocritical, too. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the reasons what his parents would say to him is, oh, it's because we're, we're in a new country, so we want to protect you because we are not sure how things work here. And, you know, we don't want you to fail because, you know, there's a lot of people, like, for example, they give some examples of people who they knew growing up on the Lower East Side when Sam was growing up on the Lower East Side and said, oh, you know, those people they weren't successful and now they're working at like a steel yard. And, you know, there's a lot of risk that comes with that. You could lose your arm, you could lose your finger, you could get crushed by a steel beam or something. And Sam, we don't want you to have a life like that. So this is why we're pushing you to be a lawyer. So you won't end up working at a steel yard. So they justify their behavior by saying that it's, it's all in his best interest and, and this is what, well, in a way it is, I mean, of course they are not lying, but there is a, a degree of hypocrisy there. Mm-hmm. I think Sam kind of grows to realize that a lot of parents are hypocritical because he talks to Frankie, Joel, and some other friends of his about their parents and he learns that pretty much every parent is hypocritical in some sense. That's right. That that's actually very right. I think that um, well, Vili and Valdis are also hypocritical uh, in in relationship to Ingvar and in relation to Ingvar, and not and not only like that. I think that they are often in denial about each other as well. So uh, when when the other does something wrong, they never want to to admit. Right. So even when when the other does something shady, especially if Valdis does something shady and Billy's brothers come to him and say that, how can you accept what that woman is doing? Don't you find it weird? Don't you find it wrong? And he always takes her side and, and he and he denies and she says, no, she's great. She has the 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 best interest of the family in mind and he and i think he doesn't accept not even to himself that there was something Mm. a bit off about it Mm -hmm. so uh, yeah i think that there is a lot of hypocrisy and denial and not wanting to accept that something is wrong Mm -hmm. Mm. i think sam's parents have something like that too like they refuse to admit that maybe they're too strict and too demanding even though sometimes either of them think the other is going too far, but they don't say anything. And they're like, oh, you know, we're just doing this so, you know, our boy can be more successful. Like they always justify it like that in the end. But I think both of them do struggle. And I don't know if Vili and Valdis have this in mind as well, that they're really afraid that all of this pushing and all this paranoia will drive Sam away from them one day. Like they can't really control it because it's now become something that, they've gotten used to like the screaming at each other and like, you know, pushing all these ideas on Sam and saying it's for your best. Like they've kind of gotten used to it, but then at the same time, they have this underlying fear that because they can't really fix themselves overnight, you know, that Sam's going to not like them one day and just ignore them. They are pretty Mm -hmm. afraid of that. 
Well, wow, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's a really good point. So they realize that they might not be doing something, uh, that, that they might be doing something wrong in relation to Sam. I don't think Vili and Valdis realize it. I don't think they do. Maybe it's the, uh, the time difference, because I imagine that if they lived in our time, uh, they would realize that they are somehow pushing him away. But at that point, no, I, I don't think they ever do. I mean, well, uh, I think Valdis does at one point when she grows old and Ingvar is very um, hostile in a way. So when, when he starts being blatantly hostile, even after he's not a child anymore because when he is uh, I don't know around puberty maybe they think oh it's okay he's at that age but he'll come round but once he doesn't come round and uh, he, he becomes more mature but uh, he's still hostile to her I think that maybe that's the point when she realizes that maybe maybe she pushed him too hard because because it reflects bad on her i mean because it uh, it reflects back sorry on on her because that kind of behavior um is what he applies to her as well mhm mm i see mm -hmm. yeah. how about villy uh, no i don't think he realizes that I, I don't think he ever thinks about it i mean well um Okay, maybe he does, but he thinks that it's the right thing to do. And uh, for example, when he, he punishes him for something that he does, um, he feels sorry about it. So he's definitely not a bad person. He, he is not like Aiden's father, mm -hmm. uh, the, the older man. <laughs> <laughs> right, so yeah. he's not that kind of person. He he punishes Ingvar because he wants to discipline him, but he feels really bad inside. But but he he thinks that oh, I, I shouldn't show him that that I'm emotional about this, that I that I feel sorry because in this way the uh, the punishment will not take effect. You know, if if he sees that I'm I'm sorry about it, so. Um, uh, he thinks that this is how it's done. This is how good parenting is done if you want your son to be manly and successful and the warrior type. So this is why he doesn't really question it. He questions it subjectively, but then she justifies it by saying, no, this is how it's done. Mm -hmm. so that makes sense. The greater good, <laughs> yes. But in our time, yeah, I think they would realize. But in a way, I think that they would be even more hypocritical in our time. So, um, especially because they they realize that it's not uh, that good. I, I I imagine Ingvar telling them that he's gay and their reaction to it. It would be something like. Well, there's nothing wrong with that son, but <laughs> I will start saying what's wrong, even though they begin by saying that they're okay with it, you know, so they're this kind of people. Mm -hmm. Of course, in the Middle Ages, they would just say that it's wrong, but in our time, they would still be hypocritical. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So what about Vili and Valdis is, like, I noticed that 
they how do their feelings for each other change as Ingvar comes into the picture and you know they start pushing their ideals on him do that does that change their relationship dynamic and how they see each other hmm oh that's a good question um I'm not sure it changes how they see each other. I don't think so. I mean, it's it's different, but essentially the same. Their their life and their relationship. I mean, because uh, they they encourage each other. Like you're doing such a good job. For example, when Billy is punishing Ingvar for something, and uh, he's thinking, "Oh, what did I do? Maybe I was too strict." And all this, like, no, you are good you are the perfect father <laughs> oh wow <laughs> yeah i think that they love each other so unconditionally that n- no other couple of mine does that because my other couples are well they have moments when they second guess each other you know and they can be a bit judgmental like what is this person doing? But with Billy and Valdis, I get the sensation that, no, they don't do that. They are always saying, oh, you're doing such a great job. You're perfect, my love. You know? <laughs> which, is, which is kind of crazy for Ingvar, I think, because, uh, well, for example, when he gets into conflicts with, with his mother, um because he, he he does get into conflicts with her a lot more than he does with his father and um she she becomes upset and uh uh then his father comes home and maybe Ingvar would like to say oh look what mother did to me but it's not like that because Billy comes home and he sees that Valdis is upset and then he turns to Ingvar what did you do to your mother can't you see how upset you're making her oh my love please don't cry you know I think they're driving him crazy with Mm. this kind of behavior so they love each other so much as you can see Oh my god, poor Ingvar though. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I kind of feel sorry for him. But at least we finally get to see how he has grown into the person that he is now and, and, and the troubles he has in his own relationships. So, yeah. <laughs> is that why Ingvar has intimacy problems? Because he thinks about his parents and how, like, you know, they were kind of just supporting each other in them being kind of verbally abusive towards him. Yes, I'm, I'm very sure that, that this is the, the case. Uh, I mean, it's, I think there are two important factors that influence him uh, in, in his own relationships. First of all, it was the fact that they taught him to be unemotional, uh, to suppress his emotions, and, because they wanted him to be strong and and pragmatic and enterprising and they thought that uh, a good way to this is to uh, teach him not to express his emotions so um, in a way they they pushed him to do that which of course will reflect back on on them as parents and also uh, in his own relationships because he, he comes to that point where he cannot uh, express his emotions and and even expresses something 
opposite, you know, so when uh, he's conscious of the fact that he's not doing a good job in the relationship, he realizes that he's, he's wrong in the way he's acting, which leaves him, leads him to be frustrated, and frustration leads him to be aggressive. So, you know, with Ail, how, how it went. And uh, he, he gives off an entirely different um, impression. So, um, uh, I, and, and the other thing that um, influenced him a lot, I think, is exactly the fact that his parents love each other so much. So maybe he has some unrealistic expectations from a relationship, or maybe this puts some pressure on him. You know, he, he doubts that he could ever be so close to somebody. And so he thinks that this makes him inadequate. So not being able to have the kind of relationship that his parents have uh, makes him inadequate. Mm-hmm. So, um, of course, in a way, it is true. He isn't a good lover. So, um, but I think he puts too much pressure on himself, which leads to more frustration, which leads to himself being even uh, more distant. You know, he, both in his relationship with Eolf and uh, with Ranveig later on, he... Uh, he knows that he is he's not doing it right and he and and if he were confronted he would probably justify like uh i'm broken i'm not good for you and he would just walk away so this is this is the only way in which he can handle problems which is not at all so um yeah i think i think these are the important ways in which their their relationship reflects on him Yeah, like I understand. So like having this kind of um, really example as a relationship, you know, growing up, his parents, he would definitely have, you know, these standards for himself and be afraid to express himself as a lover, feeling that he can't meet up to their standards. That makes a lot of sense. And it does show us why in Lucky Wolf, he was avoiding Eolf after he felt that he was attracted to him. Yeah, that's right. That's right, and and he generally thinks that uh, he's not worthy to be loved. I think. Well, this this is another problem in his upbringing. Um, I I think that they they somehow um, his parents somehow made him believe that being substandard is the worst possible thing. So he's perfectionist and if if in the other aspects of his life that turns out okay when it comes to a relationship he puts too much pressure on uh, on himself so uh, which leads him to to a lot of bad behaviors and and he thinks that and, and I think he's afraid to to let someone else get close to him because he's he thinks that he is substandard, you know, that, that he is inadequate. So mm-hmm. it's, it's true. And the fear of it makes him even more inadequate. So, yeah. I think it's also the fact that, you know, being a lover and being in a relationship is so subjective. You know, it really depends on what the two people in it wants. So you can't apply what you've learned in another relationship to another one because you're with a different person. So because of this, I think that makes Ingvar even more 
you know, afraid of intimacy because each relationship he has demands different things. And being someone who's introverted, he thinks it's hard to have to put himself out there to learn more about that person in order to cater to them or to learn what would make a better relationship dynamic. And because it's so subjective and it's, it's so dependent on so many variables, he feels like it's really hard to achieve and he feels substandard. That's so true, exactly. And I think that th that is a great point that um, relationships are so different, even uh, a person's relationships with different kind of people. So they are the same person, but, but the, the people they are in relationship with differ. So their relationships are very different as well. And uh, yeah, like you said, uh, Ingvar, well, he generally has trouble trouble understanding emotion not only expressing it so he doesn't really understand that it's normal if his relationships are different than his parents relationships right because that was the only relationship he actually observed so he, he doesn't understand that it's okay for it to be different so he just starts by thinking oh I, i'm not i'm no good at this uh, the first mistake he thinks I'm no good at this and there's no point in trying this is this is the problem he doesn't mm -hmm. in a way he doesn't try enough I mean he, he should try to communicate not really try to be good just start by communicating but that comes so difficult to him mm -hmm. that I, I'm not really sure he, he can overcome it that makes sense yeah I think similarly, Sam, he's not really afraid of intimacy, but in a way he thinks it's kind of pointless because he thinks about his own parents' relationship and how it's now just all about money. Well, not money, but like surviving and making ends meet and pushing him to succeed. Like they don't really seem to have anything in common other than that. And he's really afraid of that. He's afraid of falling in love with someone and then having their relationship turn to this. Like he doesn't want that. He really doesn't want that. He, I mean, he knows it's unrealistic to be extremely passionate for the rest of your life, but he doesn't want to be tied to someone just because, oh yeah, we have a child together and we have to survive and work on our small business. But other than that, they don't have anything in common anymore. And he's really afraid of that. And he feels like it's not worth it. Most marriages that he's seen growing up on the Lower East Side, you know, because he lived in an apartment and there were other couples that he did see from time to time, he feels like most marriages in the world are like this. And he would rather not have a marriage rather than be in one like that. I see. So, so being a witness to his parents' relationship influences his expectations of, of all kind of all romantic relationships. Mm -hmm. In a way, yeah, because he also is a fan of the theater. So he sees how love and romance is portrayed, you know, in media and in novels and everything and how it's so idealized versus what you actually see in reality, especially with middle aged couples. Because a lot of the time, a lot of this media stuff is focused on young couples when they first meet. Of course, that's all fine and dandy, but we never really get to see middle-aged people or old people or other stuff like that. You know, not everything turns into dysfunction, but not everything is all fine and dandy either, just because it's not dysfunctional. Exactly. Exactly. That's a really great point. Mm-hmm. 
so so he is uh, sort of afraid that his own relationships would turn into that even when he is in a relationship right i mean not not only before getting into one but i imagine that he he constantly worries about it and maybe uh over thinks whatever is happening in the relationship right Mm -hmm. You think exactly. that he'd do that. So if, if you were in a relationship that lasts several years, would he constantly analyze it and say, oh, are we becoming my parents yet? <laughs> yeah, I think he would. The longer it lasts, the scarier it is to him. Especially when he first gets to know someone, he's like, oh no, what if they actually want to go steady? Like he's that kind of person who says, oh no, because they want to go steady. Because he's really scared of it turning into monotony. And this is why Sam, when he's young and he's a teenager, he never has any long-term relationships because he's always so scared. It's not because he's non-committal, not like Ardayan, for example, um, in the work that me and Tete are doing. Not like him. He's not a ladies' man or anything like that. Even though he likes to present himself as one to Joel and Frankie, he's not. <laughs> the problem is that he's just really scared of monotony. And he's a little bit scared that because his parents have infantilized him for so long, he doesn't really know how to be in a mature, stable relationship. Because he always still sees himself as essentially a child, even though he knows he's not because his parents continue treating him like one, he assumes that he still is. That's really interesting. I, I never thought about it in that way, but yeah, that's right. So in a way, he also sees himself as inadequate, right? Not only relationships on the whole, but maybe down, he also sees himself as inadequate. I think he does in a way. Mm -hmm, he does. Like, he's not really the type that people would assume thinks he's inadequate because he always feels so confident and, you know, so cheerful and stuff like that. But in reality, I think he projects this kind of image because he does feel inadequate. And especially in the romantic sense, he feels like, yeah, he always has to put up a facade. Like, you know, he has to be super cheerful and charming in order to get someone. But he knows that he can't do this forever. He can't be super cheerful for 30 years or even 10 years. And he's afraid when the partner sees his real self, which is not always so cheerful, he can be very depressing. He can be kind of whiny. You know, there's all kinds of flaws that he has that his parents have seen firsthand and they've called him out for it. So he's afraid of people seeing that side of him. I think fundamentally he's very scared of his partner seeing him as childish because that's what his parents have always told him he is. That's right. That's right. That makes so much sense when you put it that way. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so, so if, if uh, someone wants to really offend him, they should call him childish because that's, that's something he cannot call him childish and demanding. And this is an, an, an instant turn off for Sam, right? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, I think childish, especially demanding. I think he makes an effort to not be demanding because he's really sick of his parents being demanding. So when he talks to people outside of his family, he's not demanding. Like he acts very open. Oh, no, I meant uh, if his partner is demanding, this is a turn off for him. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. He definitely doesn't want to be in a relationship with his parents, right? Mm -hmm, exactly. Someone who's exactly like his parents. This is what yeah. he's afraid of, mm -hmm. what he's running from. Exactly. 
and someone who's very codependent because he sees his own parents. Like he would like someone who has his own life or her own life, not someone who is constantly just stuck to him and has no friends outside of him. That's a really great point because if if we think about the the people that he uh, he forms relationships with and which can turn into amorous relationships they are people who work in a in a different kind of uh, environment and have different lives so they 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 would never really work together so well yeah, I think I think that that makes sense. Maybe he thinks that having more independence from each other uh, leads to a better relationship because it can uh, um, keep your interest up, you know. And uh, it makes sense. It makes mm-hmm. sense. So he wants his own relationships to be as different from that of his parents as possible. Mm-hmm. So it's his own way of rebelling against the standards that they've set for him. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, what, so uh, returning to uh, Lev and Raisa's relationship, I wanted to ask you, what are the strong points in their relationship? I would say their strong points is that they respect each other's opinions. Um, they're very loyal to each other, despite feeling very monotonous about each other. And they don't really argue that much, generally speaking. I think it's because they have so much in common and so many shared experiences, but they're not really the type. They yell at Sam, but they don't really yell at each other. Maybe they put all their they put all their frustration on Sam <laughs> instead of each other. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's true. That's true. So, so, so even if their relationship is quite monotonous as a result of all those those common things that they have at the same time it leads to something very good the fact that they don't argue and that they they mostly agree with each other whatever they say yeah that's right it's really interesting two facets of the same coin Mm -hmm. and and the weak point in their relationship i think that they don't really have they're not independent of each other because they're so codependent if something bad happens to either of them how's the other person going to react? Like they don't have that many friends, like real friends, not just business contacts outside of the other person. So it could deal a very heavy emotional blow to them. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's, that, that's really interesting to think about. Well, they have so much more in common with Billy and Valdez than I ever realized. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because after Vili dies, Valdis just becomes increasingly emotional and unstable. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yes, and 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 she doesn't, uh, she doesn't realize, she doesn't think about a lot of things while he is still alive. That's such a big blow to her that indeed she becomes more and more unstable. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, she becomes more introspective because uh, that is the point where she starts questioning if she did a good job uh, raising Ingvar because uh, Ingvar um, falls away from her at this point when it is the point where she would need him the most 
but it coincides with Ingvar becoming a teenager and uh, finally taking the independence he, he was waiting to have. Mm-hmm. And so he goes away and he leaves her on her own. And this is when she does a lot of thinking because she also doesn't have Vili to tell her, no, you're doing a perfect job. You are perfect, my mm-hmm. dear. You know, so, so this is when she starts thinking that maybe I went wrong in some, mm-hmm. in some ways. Mm-hmm. That makes so, sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so maybe it would be similar with Levin Rice or something were to happen to either of them. Not as extreme, though. I don't think either of them would be like Valdis. They might oh, Valdis like, is yeah. unstable to begin yeah, with. I, I don't so that, that just would be that extreme, yeah. <laughs> but it would be pretty bad. I think they would, I don't know how they would be like, maybe even more codependent on Sam. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that that's really true. Mm-hmm. They would push him even harder if either of them dies or something. The remaining one would probably push Sam even harder. That's true. That's true. And 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 there would be more pressure on Sam to get a good job and and to do well in order to support them in their old age because they're alone right mm-hmm. right now. So they don't have each other. They just have Sam who has to take care of them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, that makes it even worse. Yeah, that's true. I think Sam wouldn't be able to be as independent because his guilt would reel him back in. Yeah, that's, that, that's so right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, he might not even have a relationship. Like he would just, yeah, whatever. And he's like, yeah, I have to go back home and take care of my parents. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, they're like, I guess if they had cell phones, the remaining parent would constantly be messaging him. He's like, where are you right now? Where are you, Sam? And it's like, they're all, he's on a date, but then he's like, where are you? You need to come home right now. Because I don't know how to use oh, the computer. God. I need to file my taxes. Do it for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's funny, but in a way, it's, it's really not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> for Sam, at least. It's, it's really not funny. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. It's, it makes a lot of sense. And because Sam had uh, a, a closer and a nicer relationship with his parents, he would feel this guilt with Ingvar also because it, it was the Middle Ages and because uh, everything is more extreme in, in that story. That's true. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he wouldn't give up anything to, to be and come and stay with his mother. He, he would still go away, but this doesn't mean that he wouldn't feel guilty about it. But uh, well, like I said, everything is more extreme. So Ingvar would probably, yeah, he realizes that she is uh, sad, but he thinks, well, it suits her well. She's an asshole and she, she made me a monster. So she, mm-hmm. she, she should suffer right now. It's okay that she suffers. It's just karma, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on today and telling us about Vili and Valdis. It was very informational and we learned a lot about how they compared to Levin Riza. Thank you so much. It was really interesting. I thought that I, I knew a lot about Levin Raisa and I had thought about different aspects of their relationship, but I, I really love the, the things that uh, I learned now in, uh, through this comparison with Philly and Valdez. It was mm-hmm. really interesting. Thank but you thank so you much. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Thank you so much again. All right. Goodbye. All right. Bye.